We're going to be talking about faith today, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 16. Uh, This psalm was written by King David uh, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, and what we're reading through it, um, I want you to take note of the really strong proclamations that David is making. You know, he's pointing out specific truths that he knows about God that he is anchoring his faith in. And what I want to take a look at today is is what these truths are and how we can have them as anchors in our lives as well. So before we do that, let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we do believe in you. We thank you for being an eternal God, a loving God, who loves each and every one of us. And Lord, today I just ask that you humble all of us, open us up, and help us to grow our faith in you. And I pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as I mentioned, we're going to see some really definitive statements from David today. And um, at one point, we're going to see, it says, David will not be shaken. And we're going to see how that impacts his life, not only in him being able to stand firm, but also how it stirs him to take action. So with that in mind, and I've been working on this for like weeks now, I'm titling this sermon, Not Shaken, But Stirred. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I wanted. See, I'm, I'm funny, Bridge. I'm funny, right? Not only are we going to be looking at how David is not shaken in his faith and what it stirs him to do, I want us to really, I want this to be really practical today for us as well. Um, but then we're also going to see how God is not shaken, how God is stirred. So three things we're going to take a look at. We want to see what these truths are about an unshakable faith and, and how that unshakable faith is built on it. We're going to see the actions that it inspires us to take. And then finally, how do we get that faith and what do we do with it? So if you haven't already, uh, please open up your Bibles. Again, we're going to be in Psalm 16. I want to know that should be up on the screen as well. Thanks, Sharpie. Uh, I just want to read through it first. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, I think it's fair to say we can see David's faith very clearly on display here. 
uh, one of the commentators as I was uh, preparing for the sermon, uh, Talbert Chambers, he described it this way uh, in, in uh, the psalm. In David's eyes, God is no abstraction, but a person, real, living, walking by his side, hence his abiding confidence. The whole utterance is one of strong, triumphant faith. Well, what I'd like to do now is let's go back through and break these verses down a little bit because I want to see what each one of these different truths are that, that allow David to have this triumphant faith. And um, I'm going to go through some of these kind of quickly. So I'm, I'm also an adjunct faculty member, and I'm in the midst of teaching my class right now, so I'm going to put on my teacher hat a little bit today. Um, but what I'd like you to do, there's a couple uh, that we're going to point out. As we're going through these, just make notes. You know, if it's an area of strength for you and your faith, just put a little S next to it. It's something you can praise God about this week when you're praying. If it's an area that maybe is a weakness or maybe, maybe it's a little question mark, just note that as well. And that's something you can go to God um, about this week as you're praying. Um, so with that, let's take a look at this first anchor that leads to an unshakable faith. And the first one is God provides protection. And we see that in verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. We see here David recognizes he needs protection. What does he need protection from? You know, if you look at the life of David, um, he was constantly under attack. So certainly um, from those who were trying to uh, keep him from, from being the king, to, to take his throne away. Um, and if you read through 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, you, it's, David's life is, is really amazing to see. So he certainly is praying for protection there, but David's also praying for protection from himself. And you see that as well in the life of David. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he needed help. He knew he needed protection from himself. And so he goes to God because he knows God is the only one who can give him that true protection. So that's our first anchor. And like I said, we're going through some of these a little quickly, but God gives us protection. The second, we see here that David recognizes that God is his master. I think it's pretty safe to say in our society, in our time, we do not like that connotation of somebody being our master, somebody being in charge of us. I know I fight that all the time. I want to be in charge. You know, I want to be the one who calls the shots. And so I think we hear that there's often a very negative connotation, but as I was thinking about this, there's also a sort of a flip side or maybe another way to look at it. If God is our master, if he owns us, if he's our father, he's also taking responsibility for us, right? He's looking out for us. And I'm okay if the God of the universe who loves me and knows me perfectly is looking out for me. And that's another anchor that we see David holds on to and that we can hold on to as, uh, ourselves. The third anchor, God gives us every good thing in our lives. And you see that sort of sprinkled throughout uh, in verses 2 and then 5 and 6. It says, I have no good apart from you. And in verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. 
there's nothing that we have in our lives that hasn't come from God. He gives us every good thing. David knew that. David rested on that. And we can rest on that as well. The fourth anchor, God gives us a family. We see that in verse 3. We see David recognizes that there are others in the world who share his belief in God. And he rejoices in them. Uh, we certainly experienced that this week. Um, there, there's, so, there's just something special here at Riverside. Um, you know, God is at work. And uh, we, had a, we had a pretty rough week. And we saw people reaching out and surrounding us. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just being nice. It wasn't just, you know, doing... You could see it in their eyes that where their heart was, the prayers we were getting, uh, the food we were getting, the extra pounds I put on those this week. Um, it was coming from a place of knowing who God is, how he loves them, and then extending that. And I just find that, that it's so, there's a security to know that we're not alone right here and now with each other. And again, David recognized that, and he, he had an anchor of faith in that as well. Another anchor, pursuing any other God only leads to sorrow, and ultimately God will see justice done for those who are evil. Um, and we see that in verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. You know, in that first part there, uh, you know, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply doesn't always look like that. We see it all the time. We can stand up here every week and, and, and look at people who seem to be doing really well. You know, we look at Houston. You know, these are people that are just disaster has hit, right? And they probably good people living their lives. But what we see here is this is not an, an immediate. We know God's at work, but ultimately we know that if you're pursuing anything other than God, it's only going to lead you down a path of sorrow. And we also know, uh, you can read throughout scripture, God will have justice in the end. So that's another anchor that David is resting in very firmly in his faith. The sixth anchor, God gives us instruction and direction. In verse seven, it says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. David was always seeking the counsel of God, constantly praying, constantly going to him. And what's awesome is God wanted to hear from him, and God responded. You know, David spent hours and hours praying and asking for guidance. He was pursuing God's path for him, and God gives him instruction. He gives him direction. We have that too. If we're following Jesus we can go to God through him and ask for instruction, ask for direction. And I find tremendous comfort in that because anytime I've ever tried to follow my own instruction, bridge, it's not going all that well, right? So a, a, another anchor to rest in, instruction and direction from God. And then finally, we see in verse 8, God will never leave us. I like resting in that one. 
It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. You see that throughout the whole Bible. God's people constantly turning away from him time and time again. But the consistent theme, God is always there. He always, he lets us come back. He wants us to come back. And David sees that as well. So, I think there's some pretty powerful truths there. I mean, there's some really incredible things that David is, is staking his faith on, right? God gives us protection. Uh, he recognizes God as his master. He gives us every good thing in our lives. God gives us family. You know, pursuing other gods only leads to sorrow. God gives us instruction and direction, and God will never leave us. So we see some pretty powerful things there. And then if you go into verse 9, we, we answer our second question. Well, knowing um, what these anchors of faith are, what does that inspire David to do, and what should it inspire us to do? We see it in verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. This faith leads him to joy. It leads him to worship. It leads him to praise God. It leads him to want to pour out the love that he's received to other people. It's not something that you can contain. You know, and it's more than just doing nice things for people. When Jesus has truly touched your life, you can't help it. Your heart moves in that direction. And I would encourage all of us that, that we, can, we can take those same steps. Now, I could end the sermon here, and I could say to all of you, okay, let's focus on these truths. They're powerful. They're awesome. Pray. Think about it. Put it on your to-do list. Amen. Have a great week, right? And honestly, that's initially where I was headed. Um, but God brought something else to my attention that uh, my focus was in the wrong direction. You know, I kept looking at David's faith. I'm like, okay, here's an awesome measuring stick. And I love things I can measure against, right? But what I realized was I was just trying to look at David's faith and I was trying to relate my faith to that. Now, I, I'm not saying that it's not important for us to look at these truths. They're powerful. They're true. And we should be looking back at that. We should be asking our questions. Where do I go for protection? Who am I going for for instruction? But here's the thing. Instead of looking at David, shocker, I should have been looking at God. And that happens to me more often than I'd like to admit. Real easily. I can start to look at, we can look at any of the, you know, the characters and the, and the people in the Bible and say, okay, they're doing that. God's who we need to focus on. And so instead of ending the sermon there, you can thank my wife. She came to my rescue yet again. Um, I was scrolling through her Facebook post, which I hate. Not your Facebook post, but I hate scrolling through Facebook. And, um, and God's just, he's so awesome. She didn't know I was preaching on this, this whole theme of unshakable or anything like that. And I scroll through and I see this post from her from someone named Beth Moore. She says this, Faith is not believing in my own unshakable belief. Faith is believing in an unshakable God 
when everything in me trembles and quakes. It's not my faith that's unshakable. You know, I can tell you um, it's almost been exactly a year um, that our family has had the hardest year of our lives. Um, God decided to do some pruning. And um, there was not one area of our life that was not touched in the last year. Um, From kids to marriage to finances to extended family to health, um, faith. I shake a lot. And I believe all of those truths. But I can tell you in the last year, there were moments where I was, I'm sort of shaking right now a little bit. We're still shaking. We're still in the midst of it. But knowing that we have an unshakable God, that gives me an unshakable faith. Moves me towards it. Moves me towards it. Not only is our God unshakable, he's also stirred. See, that theme actually fits the whole way through, right? You like that, Patty? Thank you. And we actually, we see that here in verse 10. And this is the part I kind of glanced over a little bit. He was stirred so much by his love for us that he made the move to bring us back to him when we were separated from him. And you can see it here in verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Now, the first time I read that, I'm like, okay, what exactly does that mean? And fortunately, um, this particular psalm is actually cited uh, twice in the book of Acts. Uh, We don't have time to go over both of them today, but in Acts 2, when Peter is preaching after Pentecost, um, you know, his sermon you killed Jesus, you need to believe, and 3,000 people say he references this psalm. I encourage you to read that this week. But uh, Paul also um, uh, mentions this when he is on his first missionary journey, also in Acts. And if you want to flip there, we're going to look at Acts 13, and we're going to start in uh, verse 32. And I don't have time to give you all the context of what's going on, but, so I encourage you to, to maybe read a little bit more in this chapter. But, but let me start in verse 32. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, and this is what we were just reading, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. Corruption. Do me a favor, underline these next verses here. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. 
this is the biggest truth. And this is the biggest anchor that we could have. God gives us forgiveness. And that forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ. Freedom from the bondage of sin is through Jesus. Eternal life with our Heavenly Father is through Jesus. That's what I lean on. That's what David leaned on. Now, now he, he only had the promise, right? We're on the other side of that. We've seen the prophecy fulfilled. We, we know, we have the Bible that tells us that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, that he came down from heaven and took the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Unshakable faith is not dependent on us. Unshakable faith does not mean that you won't run into hard times, that you won't run into trouble. You will. We all know it. But what having an unshakable God means, we can persevere through it because he's with us. Would David say, he's at my right hand. He leads him. That's how David was able to keep going day after day. That guy had a rough life. <laughs> you know, read through. He's a great king, but man, there was not a whole lot easy that he lived through. But these anchors knowing the truth of who God is and his promises, allowed him to go through and live every day with, with an unshakable faith. So here's the big question. What do we do with all this? For those of you here who are following Jesus, I'll give you some homework. I'm still in teacher mode a little bit. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Go back through, verse by verse, and look at each one of those truths that David is outlining. And like I said, pray about them. If there are things that are real strengths for you, thank God for that. If there are areas of weakness, ask him to touch your heart and to, and to pull that out and, and make it a strength. But I also ask you to just pray that the center of your faith is about an unshakable God and what his son Jesus did for us. And the other thing I would challenge you to do then is to see what does that stir you to do? What actions is God asking you to take? Could be in your family, could be in your place of work, could be, as, as Keith was showing that homeless sign out there, do you stop somewhere and help somebody, right? But it's not coming out of some sense of, of duty, but it's coming out of the understanding of what Jesus has done for you and that love overflowing. For those of you here who you know, maybe have not taken that step of faith yet to, to put your trust in Jesus, there's nothing I can stand up here and say that's going to convince you. you. You can't just take my word for what's here. Explore it on your own. Ask yourself some hard questions. What is your faith in? We all have faith in something, whether you want to admit it or not. For, for such a long time, my faith was in me. And I liked it until that all kind of fell apart. And I didn't like it so much. 
What is your faith in? Is it in yourself? Is it in your money? Is it in your stuff? Is it in your position? Is it in recognition from others? And then ask yourself, how unshakable is that? It can all go in a moment. Your health, right? Your family. What we're looking at here today is an eternal truth from an unshakable God. And so I ask you this week to just think about it. If you've never prayed before, go to God. Talk to him. There's no special words. Just throw it out there. And I promise you, just like he met David throughout his entire life, as he's done for me, I can testify to that directly, he will meet you there as well. So as we walk away today, just remember, we can have an unshakable faith, but it has to be founded in an unshakable God. Let's pray.